So look at how, again, surveying your existing buyers as well as the people that are currently not buying it to find out, well, what do you want more of? To find out, what do you need? What are you looking for? And seriously, sometimes what you're delivering is exactly what they need, yet it's not yet what they want. Here's the hard truth. People are conditioned to ignore your marketing message. Most of the stuff you'd create doesn't get read, doesn't get watched, and ultimately, nobody buys from it. I'm Jason Lynette, and I'm here to help you stop being the best kept secret to the people you know you can help. If you're a business owner, and if you're ready to cut through the overwhelm of launching something that creates massive impact and brings in an awesome income, you are in the right place. Welcome to Attract Pre-Sold Clients. I can feel my hand trembling as I click on the button because for months I had planned something huge. I knew this one specific strategy was exactly what my audience needed, and I was 100% confident that they were going to swarm on this offer of a very specific training because it's exactly what they needed. And normally, normally I call my shot. Typically I will announce exactly what's coming and I'll tell everybody what day to be watching and exactly how it's going to be available, this is what I did when I was invited to do a TED Talk. I told everybody what day it was happening, and I let them approximately know when it would show up on YouTube. And when I published my book, I told everybody, here's the exact date, stand by, and we created massive momentum around that launch. And even for like smaller things, if I'm doing a webinar or releasing some training, I'll let people know in advance exactly what date and even what time it's going to be available. This time, this time I did things differently. And that might be part of why I'm telling you this story. This time I was silent. I kept it to myself. And as I kind of incubated and built everything in like a bit of a cave almost, I invested thousands of dollars in the build out. I recorded a couple of dozen videos. I paid different freelancers to edit the videos, create some other resources. There's someone I found online who programmed these gorgeous, these, these intricate funnel sequences with some really high-tech, if-then kind of segregation automations. This way, it could show a different experience based on people's actions. And because of all this planning, I can remember that anxiety in my body, that hand trembling as I clicked on the button to turn the ads, as I put out the first social post, and this was all perfectly timed like some military operation, so that the email broadcast went out exactly on schedule, so that then, zero. Nothing. No one responded. No one signed up for it. No one paid me for it. There were a couple of people who opted in for the free download, but nobody bought. Well, okay, not nobody. Uh, one person, like a week before the event, actually signed up for the program, but then due to a scheduling conflict, had to back out, so it officially never happened. And I tell you that story because this week's episode is how I failed my way to $5 million. It's really about a principle that I call the power of feedback. And I tell you my story to warn you of a pattern that honestly I see in so many of you. Because if you're incubating, you are invisible. 
And as much as I'm here to talk about influential language patterns and ethical persuasion, the reality is the most influential language is based upon the interactions you have with your audience. Because people vote with their attention, people vote with their clicks, and as I very clearly learned, people really vote with their dollars. So keep listening because I'm going to share with you exactly how to lock the power of feedback in as an essential tool for the growth of your business. Today, I am going to share with you some extremely specific strategies that you can actually plug into your business as early as today to start to employ this power of feedback in your business and help you to thrive and serve even more people and yes, become profitable in what you do. Though, quick thing before I do that, there's a there's a need I have to stop and give a quick clarification on something. Title of the episode, How I Failed My Way to $5 Million. I share this number not to brag, and it's massively important to me to take a quick pause and clarify that this total is actually an amount that's like the total collected revenue added up across several years. I point this out because the internet is full of people publishing their earnings, and you've probably seen this too, that it's a big pet peeve of mine that people will promote their earnings, but then fail to tell you where the income came from. And seriously, I just saw someone recently promoting that they had a $30,000 month, and it doesn't quite have the right impact when you find out that they made $30,000 selling you the product that teaches you how they made $30,000 verbatim. And I mean, I, I wish I was making this next example up. I once watched a webinar training me on how to do webinars that then sold me a program on how to do webinars to earn money. And here's the part that, again, I wish I was clever enough to make up. They literally then showed me in the training the webinar I had already watched to then explain how to sell on webinars. If you've seen the movie Inception, you know the reference I could be making here. So again, for transparency, it's more than $5 million spread out as total revenue across many years, with a big chunk of that coming from actually doing the work similar to many of you working with private clients, not just from info products and training, though clearly that is part of the larger sum of things. And also, let's go back to the story that I told in the opening of this week's episode, how I kind of romanticized the story of basically flushing $10,000 down the toilet, metaphorically. Here's what happened instead. And this is where the power of feedback really comes into play. The next year, I didn't do the same thing because clearly that didn't work. No, the next year I did a survey of my audience and I found out exactly what they wanted. And let this be one of the major takeaways of this week's episode. What they want is often very different from what they need. In fact, here's a little bit of a bonus inside of the episode this week. The formula for an under-promise over-deliver is surprisingly simple. If you can sell people what they want, and in the process of delivering what they want, give them what they need, right there is your easiest, consistent formula for delivering an under-promise over-deliver. So based on their wants, based on their desires, based on the feedback that they had given me, I created a program to help them to solve that problem. And create is perhaps not the exact correct word here because instead, really, my creation process was documenting a thing that I had already done 
And because it was coming from a place of evidence, I was able to give them done-for-you templates that gave the people in that audience a head start. I no longer was no longer just attempting to mind-read my audience. I wasn't guessing. And again, I'm going to nail this word several times here. I wasn't incubating. I wasn't hiding in my own home or in my own office trying to mind-read what they were thinking. Instead, I based my actions upon the feedback that I got from them. I listened. I listened and I delivered based on their needs, based on their desires, based on their wants to solve a very specific problem. The result? I had my first ever six-figure month. Six-figure month, not just year, but six-figure month. More than 100000 from one single event. Cool, right? And that's the power of feedback at play. The power of feedback is the most valuable asset to your business. I'm convinced of that now. Uh, I've had enough moments. This is not going to be the sort of fake social media kind of episode where it's like, here's how awesome I am. Here's all the great things I've accomplished. No, here's the thousands of times I've heard someone say no when they were presented for an offer. Here's the uh, different web pages that we eventually just deleted. Here are the social media posts that had zero interaction. Everything you hear me talk about, everything you ever see me present, everything you learn from me, everything I would even sell is based upon having actually put in the work doing it. And that's a big part of the power of feedback. So the old, if you build it, they will come is not the strategy. The sequence perhaps could be defined as listen, create, and then launch. Also inside of here is another mechanism that I've just nicknamed the power of action, which no, I cannot trademark just the word action. Yet uh, it's kind of fascinating, isn't it? That you hear people talk about the law of attraction, yet the last couple of letters of the word attraction is actually the word action. So again, this is the danger of that incubation mode. There are some people who I've run into over the years that, I mean, here's one guy I can think of, I won't say the name for obvious purposes, yet was like three years. I was ready to send this man referrals, yet there wasn't a mechanism to get in contact with him. I'm like, can I just give them your personal cell phone? No, 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 I want them to call my business line. Okay, what's that? Well, I'm working on my website first, and once I have the website almost ready, then I'll you know connect with my phone company and get a, a business line. There was, you know, I could have just given a personal cell phone. There were people who needed what he did, yet the core thing was he was stuck in that incubation phase, not even to the point of needing power of feedback, really at the core of it, there was the necessary step of actually, well, taking action. So listen, create, and listen for this last word, which is very important, launch. Because if you're just keeping it to yourself, if you're just, you know, marinating in your own ideas, if your own experience of running your business is simply being in your own little bubble and tweaking sentences over and over and never quite putting it out there, I'm telling you, listen seriously, because if I had figured this out much earlier, this episode's title would have had a much bigger number. It's something that I'll be very open and say I had to get better at over the years, which related, I just said there were three steps now that I'm talking about it. Uh, listen, create, launch. Hey, let's adjust this by adding one more step. And let's just use the word I just said, adjust. So here we go. It's a four-step process. Look at that. <laughs> listen, create, launch, adjust. 
and recognize that the adjusting can happen in many different places. We're in a situation right now as I'm recording this episode, and even as it launches a little while from now, (laughs) it's kind of funny how I can actually say, listen for this ambiguity, and it suddenly applies to like so many different companies, unfortunately. There's a lot of questionable things happening in a popular social media platform. Wow, we can actually uh, say that right now, and that could point to three different places. Now I don't have those three different people possibly coming after me for what I've said. Oh, the power of ambiguity. Yet it's in this journey of launching something and adjusting, suddenly there might be this mass exodus from a specific social media platform. And again, adjust. You've got to move to a different place. A big part of my backstory was purchasing a DVD training on a specific mechanism that Google used to offer as an add-on service. And seriously, by the time the DVDs arrived, Google discontinued that specific service. I think the person who (laughs) created that program learned a lesson about, uh, I think he had like 200 sets of that DVD training produced and then basically had to throw them away. So embrace the fact, always, that adjusting what you do, sorry to say it this way, it's a never-ending journey. I've said this for years, people with websites, guess what? It's never done. There's always some other element. And even even in a little while from now, as I'm done recording this week's episode of the Attract Pre-Sold Clients podcast, here's going to be the conversations that me and my team have with many of you. And we're hearing, no, there's a different thing that you're looking for, a different thing that you want. And it might suddenly be this need, and this is a funny thing that happens consistently for us, to shine a spotlight on something that we already do and just say, hey, in our done with you consulting, helping you to attract pre-sold clients to your business, that's this element that used to be part of the bonuses. Oh, wait, we need to we need to pick that up and put that in the quick start now because that's the global conversation that's having that's happening. So again, listen, create, launch, and adjust. The word launch makes me go back to a very specific story and Some of you that have been around marketing on the internet for quite some time might know elements of the story, but even if you're not familiar with it or even the person or the program it's about, listen for the bigger lesson. There's a training that was put out by a man by the name of Jeff Walker called Product Launch Formula. And I had bought one of the early iterations of it. And suddenly here's the day that I got an email alert, which is the, I forget what number it was, like version 4.0 is now available. And the first thought was, oh, great, mine's out of date. And instead, in the email, I read he was giving those of us who had brought the previous version, those of us who bought it, we were getting the new version of it. And I loved that as a model. Uh, He kind of killed me, though, in this training because the previous version of it that I had, if I remember it right, it was like 40 or so hours of video. And I think the updated iteration of it was like a third of that. And he opened the video in a beautiful way saying, hey, for those of you that have seen previous versions of this, it's not that I removed anything. You can see there's a lot less hours of video. Uh, It's not that I removed anything. I just got better at teaching it. So let's begin. I'm like, oh, that was a a lesson I needed to hear that week. Uh, I'd give another example of my own. Uh, Here's a product of mine that at one point was available as kind of like a continuity, membership recurring. It was $47 a month. And again, based on the feedback 
of the people in that program, and even based on the feedback of people who had expressed curiosity but then did not buy. Oh, can we pause on that for a moment here? Did you hear that little sequence? If you're not surveying your people who have both bought from you, as well as surveying the people who did not buy from you, you are leaving a lot of data, you're leaving a lot of knowledge, you're leaving the most essential feedback completely on the table. So it was by surveying both the buyers and the non-buyers that it kind of made me think back to the thing that Jeff Walker did to me by suddenly going, here's the new version. And I've nicknamed this launch with raving fans, where really, basically, we created new content based on the feedback. And because of that, the biggest feedback was they wanted to be able to get the program as a lifetime access thing. And I put the offer out to say, for that to be fair, here's the typical retention rate of a membership continuity program. I would price it at this, which was far beyond that. And everyone said yes. And because of that, here's the group that then got grandfathered into that older program and then got the newer version of things. And even better, this created the easiest continuous promo cycle ever for that segment of my business. What was happening was that I would promote, remember what I said earlier about calling my shot? I would promote that I'd add, I'd create a new content on a specific thing. This would elevate the existing audience already inside of the program. This would sell them further on the story of exactly what kind of service I was providing them in that specific thing. And then also, again, it created an organic promo cycle for a new audience. Hey, get this XYZ training now. For those of you already in that program, you have it. And for those of you who want to get access to this training, join our community to get it. And here's the cool thing that it did. And this was the part that I couldn't have predicted. If I was stuck in that incubation phase, kind of like the story from earlier, flushing money down the toilet, was that I couldn't have predicted that it created this organic testimonial machine. Because as I'd promote the new thing added to the existing program, the current members, the existing audience, were all commenting in the threads organically for me. They were boosting my social media post organically and they became the best driving force of that specific other business of mine. So look at how, again, surveying your existing buyers as well as the people that are currently not buying it to find out, well, what do you want more of? To find out, what do you need? What are you looking for? And seriously, sometimes what you're delivering is exactly what they need, yet it's not yet what they want. I want to call that out here again, because there, there's, oh, I could go on for hours with um, stories of things that didn't quite play out, but then the big lesson that I learned, and then through power of feedback, we put it out a different way, and then, wow, everything changed. There's a specific service of mine that actually, only after we had sold more than seven figures of that one specific program, suddenly I changed the name which took one email to the existing audience to go, hey guys, by the way, the thing you already have, it's now called this. Though, related to that though, we made that change for a very simple reason. In all of our testing, in all of our feedback, in all of the conversations we were having with that specific audience, the audience was clearly gravitating to a slightly different phrasing of the message. The way that it was phrased had to shift ever so slightly 
And just to give a rough visual metaphor of this, imagine a sentence. Previously, we were shining the spotlight on the last part of the sentence. And instead, by shining the spotlight at the middle of the sentence, a different part of the message, that's where things grew even faster, things grew even stronger. So do not be too far married to your titles of things, to your ideas that you hold on to. If I can sidebar for a quick moment here, uh, I mentioned in one of the earlier episodes, part of my backstory was working in production theater. I wasn't the actor. I wasn't the director or the designer. I was the backstage technician. I was a stage manager. I was a production assistant. Basically the hub of all communication, helping to make all the creative people get along. And I don't know if this next statement I'm about to make is bragging rights. Yet in that career, as I burned out beautifully and I don't think this next anecdote is part of the burnout. It was more of a curiosity that probably helped to inform my business of the either four or five professional, I mean, professional theatrical companies. I mean, theaters with like annual budgets in the seven and eight figures to put on multiple professional plays. And often we'd have, you know, people from Broadway coming in and doing the designs and doing the acting and some names I could drop here, which is not the point of this week's episode. Again, here's the part that I'm sure is not bragging rights. Of the four or five professional companies I worked with, only one is still standing. And I think back to the ones that have now since closed their doors. And the basic business knowledge I had, even though I was in a very different part of those companies, I can remember one specifically. Hey, uh, who does the marketing for these shows? Because like the posters look really good, but it's like a 1980s design. Was that a style choice? And this curmudgeon of a character of the uh, graphic designer in that company was like, that's the way we've always done it. It works. And yet we had empty audiences and that company's no longer around. Uh, in the nonprofit world, they call that founder syndrome. Are you doing that with your business? If so, activate the power of feedback. Because again, trends change. The messaging that people respond to shifts. And Take my examples here. It doesn't always have to mean you change what you do. It just might mean you need to shine a spotlight differently as to where you draw people's focus and how you explain that you solve that specific problem. So embedded inside of the stories, the anecdotes I've been telling you here, let me break down some very specific strategies. Clearly, I have been talking about polling your audience. And here's the thing you can do today. Anytime you broadcast an email, anytime, or maybe you want to do this occasionally, it's entirely up to you. Hey, power of feedback, test it out, see how it goes. Throw a PS at the end of your email asking, hey, what's the number one challenge you're trying to solve right now in terms of thing? Hey, quick question, hit reply and let me know what's been standing in the way of fill in the blank. You know, what's been, whatever your specific audience is, what's been standing in the way of losing weight and keeping it off? What's been the biggest challenge in terms of keeping your accounting up to date? Again, we have a wide audience here because it's the unique mechanism of ethical influence and sales persuasion. And apply this over to social media. Occasionally, do what's called an ask post. Take everything I just said about the PS at the end of an email and put something up with a simple question. And it's up to you. You could have them go to a survey, like a Google form. You could have them respond to the comments down below. You can say, send me a DM 
with the answer to this question. It's entirely up to you, which again, oh, the power of feedback, applied to the power of feedback, applied to the power of feedback. Remember the inception earlier from example from before, let's apply it to this now in a positive way. You might see you have an audience that responds to different offers in different ways. You can split test. So when I say split testing here, some people's perception of split testing is this idea of what can happen in some web building software or email automation systems where like the uh, AI software, the computer generated stuff will kind of figure out and split the same message across a list different ways. Uh, don't, don't take the fact that I'm talking about split testing and yes, it can meet that. Instead, let's make this very simple. An easy way to do that is something that I help with in the consulting that we do, taking the guesswork out of what to say and how to say it and why to say it to easily then attract pre-sold clients to your business. And here's one simple example. There's a bit of a standard framework that I introduce in terms of content creation and set aside for this example, whether it's a video or whether it's a blog post, social media post, just put it in the big category header of content. And as a simple four-step framework, consider this example, there's some sort of hook to grab their attention. We teach that there's possibly one of six various specific belief shifts that you can activate in the minds of your audience to create alignment and authority organically in a non-salesy way. So you have a hook, you have a strategic belief shift, then what I can just simply call for now an offer elevation amplifying either your entire offer or part of what you do. Key thing though is in a very non-salesy way. And then the actual call to action. So just to break down a very Cliff's Notes version of that framework, there's a hook, there's a strategic belief shift, there's what I call the offer elevation, and then a call to action. And think about this example when I say a non-technical way of doing split testing. The first part of it, the hook, could often be used by another title, that's the pattern interrupt, which is you can switch out the opening segment of that content to really test what is the thing that grabs your attention of the audience the most. And a simple quick example, you could go for some kind of curiosity. You could possibly make a bold statement that kind of stops people in their tracks. And Different from a bold statement, but similar, you can make an extremely big promise, which a big promise is fun in an influential way because then you have to back it up. Similar yet different, you can go after a stat-based kind of pattern interrupt. You know, if it's something with some statistics to it or this percentage of your clients perhaps, or simplest one, you can ask a question. And if you track that, I just gave five specific examples of how hooks could be done differently. Let's make it six, something that's currently in the news. And you could actually have six different content pieces go out, possibly at different times, yes. And it's the one that this one hook was the one that most people shared, most people interacted with. And it's this willingness to test, I'll tell you right now, is the biggest factor that I see different between those people who are doing kind of okay in their businesses versus those that are thriving. And yes, a uh, whole other topic for another day. This can be simplified with a virtual assistant, some sort of outsourcer, or again, you know, track what you're doing. Rather than incubate, 
create, and then launch, like we've been talking about. So it's that split testing mindset. Though you need feedback, and while we're at it, you could also split test other elements of it. You might not have picked the correct belief shift of the six that I teach. Instead, go for a different belief shift. It might need to be that you elevate one part of your offer as opposed to all of your offer. It might be, over time, you learn different segments of your audience respond to different types of calls to action. Check this one out. One of my audiences will only respond to us if we do a free strategy call to learn more. Another part of my audience, though, only took what I did seriously if I didn't offer a free call at all. And instead, they could only book my time with actually what was a $975 payment to test drive the experience of us working together. It's not that one offer was better than the other. It's not something you could be off to the side going, oh, that doesn't work, do that instead, which is the game that so many people are playing. It's only through the power of feedback that you can learn these things and take the guesswork out of continuously scaling what you do and bringing in your ideal clients and having them come in pre-sold on what you do. So yes, I lovingly called this episode how I failed my way to $5 million because the power of feedback is how and why I kept going. It's the old anecdote of Thomas Edison putting together the gadgets to become a light bulb and it didn't light up. Perhaps it exploded. Perhaps it turned on and then fizzled out. As he said, every discovery of what didn't work got him closer to the discovery of what exactly did work. This is why a lot of what we do is help you to publish frequently, but take the guesswork out of what to say and how to say it, and more importantly, why to say it. This is the importance of broadcasting messages in whatever platforms you define are the right channels for you and making offers on a frequent basis because it's when we're doing this sort of shotgun approach of every now and then going, oh crap, I need money. Let me put something out there. The audience can smell that hunger on you. And really the danger of that is you're guessing. And that's the most dangerous thing you can do in your business. The growth of your business is a flexible journey that requires you to adapt. And when you know how to take their feedback and spin it into the right content that has people mentally rehearsing the sales process, even before you ask for the sale, that's when you have a business that thrives in any economy. Thank you for listening to Attract Pre-Sold Clients where you get strategies proven to work in businesses around the world. I'm Jason Lynette, and if you're ready to crush the confusion of what to say and how to say it to consistently attract your dream clients, check out our free resources today at attractpresoldclients.com.